I found my voice hmm. and that I could express my artistic abilities through costume design. And costume design was a way of communicating part of the story or embracing part of the story mm-hmm. in a visual way. So I felt like it was visual storytelling that mm-hmm. was definitely a piece of the whole pie that uh, was integral to creating emotion and and you know visual story and help take people on the journey because when the audience applauds seeing an actor come out in a certain outfit or color it's kind of magical to you know know that you know people are affected by what they see while story invites us to ask powerful questions your life and your story are shaped by the questions you ask What is the story that you ache to tell? The only way to become a better storyteller is by telling more stories. The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be storytellers. I recently had the privilege of sitting down backstage at Story with Ruth Carter. Black Panther was incredible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great job. Seriously. Great job. That's not like the PR version of that's <laughs> like legitimately seriously. And I know you know that everyone's well, you know, about your work you right don't now. walk around knowing that, you know, you don't yeah. walk around waiting for compliments either. But, you know, it's a numbling experience to have uh, people say, you know, great job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as an artist, you never feel like anything was ever finished. Of course. So. <laughs> So, you know, I can uh, point out things that I would say, oh, I could have done that a little bit different. (laughs) But in the end, it's uh, presented to the world and they have accepted it. And it's wonderful to see uh, the way that they have embraced it. Ruth Carter isn't just a costume designer. She's kind of the costume designer, like one of the best to ever do it. She was discovered by Spike Lee, and she designed the costumes for his movies like Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X. And she's also designed costumes for Amistad, The Butler, Selma, and most recently, Black Panther, which snagged her her third Oscar nomination. All told, she's been involved in over 40 films. I would imagine that because every single project you work on, you're putting your own creative process into practice, mm-hmm. and then it's making you better. And so by the time you finish a project, you're better than you were going into it just because of how that project changes you, which means that every single project you walk into is going to leave you looking back going, oh, I could have done better. Do you think that's a result of just the growth that took place as you were walking through that project? Um, the growth that took place on the Black Panther was monumental, not only with regards to my own personal growth as an artist, also as my professional growth as my, you know, it it's a, was a whole nother level, you know, working with Marvel and, um, having an opportunity to present Afrofuturism on such a huge scale globally with the support of a, you know, big company like Marvel behind you mm-hmm. and a visionary like Ryan Coogler. I mean, 
as far as artistry and the way I approach my work, it's no different than working with Spike Lee. Both passionate, <laughs> both uh, both wanting the same type of you know positive uh, outcome, and mm-hmm. uh, wanting to present um, culture in a very royal way. But this time I was, you know, under the guise of a, a company that, you know, had several um, uh, ways of doing things. And that included lots of presentations and lots of meetings. And it was a, a whole infrastructure. You know, in the end, it was really kind of the way to go because uh, the collaboration was uh, incredible. You know, mm-hmm. there was never a point when I didn't know what the production design team was doing. Uh, there was never a point, I think, that the visual effects didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. And uh, afterwards, once I get on another project and they don't meet as much, I go, what's going on? <laughs> you guys need to have a meeting. We need to do some presentations here. <laughs> they conditioned you. They conditioned me. And... Uh, you know, uh, the support was incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. Let's let's rewind and go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your childhood and how in the world did you end up doing what you do today? Um, I was always kind of a creative kid. Um, I, my brothers were, were artists, and so they would have stuff in their rooms, you know. My brother had the best room to go uh, exploring in when he wasn't home. So uh, I explored with his chalks, with his charcoals, with his notepads, with his papers. I looked at his drawings and I and I copied them. <laughs> and then uh, he kind of uh, beat me up when I when he got home because I was all in his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was a single parent, and uh, so she was pretty much focused on keeping food on the table. Um, but she always wanted us to, you know, stay in school. She was always very positive, you know, and, uh, you know, had a lot of empathy for people. She worked uh, in, um, like, in social services for a while where uh, the people of the community were counseled. So she knew everybody on the street. Mm-hmm. And riding in the car with my mom was kind of embarrassing for us as kids because she would look at people and comment about them and say, hey, he looks good today, you know. And she's, like, talking to talking about the homeless guy, you know. And we're like, we're hoping none of our friends see us. Uh, but I think because of that, um, we looked. Mm. And I looked. And, um, you know, probably as a teenager, it put me in environments where I was probably, you know, being a little bit presumptuous or bold. But I was also in lots of environments that were enriching, and a culture was always in the background of my my childhood. That's amazing. Is that do you, can you think of a time where, in your mind, you said, "This is what I want to do with the rest of my life." Mm, I had all kinds of things I wanted to do growing up. I wanted to be a dermatologist because I felt like I could wash my face better than anyone. <laughs> but. There uh, came a point in time where um, being involved with uh, theater and art mm-hmm. um, was something that was constant. And uh, I went to the library and looked up what a costume designer was uh, because I really didn't have anyone in my uh, immediate uh, surroundings that could 
really guide me. So I looked it up and uh, I followed the, you know, the guide in the library book. Library. How about that? <laughs> what are those? <laughs> <laughs> when I talk to people who have had such a successful career like you have, some of them are able to identify this point where, I don't know if they would all use the word epiphany, it might sound too strong, mm -hmm. where they realize like, oh, I'm not just a painter, I'm not just a musician, I'm not just a costume designer. Um, this is story, it's all about the power that stories have. Was there uh, a time that you realized like, oh, it's storytelling, that's that's what's happening right now? What I found uh, was that I could, um, I found my voice mm -hmm. and that I could express my art artistic abilities through costume design and costume design was a way of, of uh, communicating um, part of the story or embracing part of the story mm -hmm. in a visual way. So I felt like it was visual storytelling that mm -hmm. um, was definitely uh, a piece of the whole pie that uh, was integral to um, creating emotion and and you know, visual story and um, help take people on the journey. Because when the audience applauds seeing an actor come out in a certain outfit or color, it's kind of magical to you know know that you know people are affected by what they see. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, this sort of talk probably sounds a little familiar. A lot of the storytellers we brought on here end up using words like magical because, well, there comes a point in most stories where regular language just won't do. You have to get a little creative. You said there was something in there where you found your voice. Yeah. What allowed you to do that? Um, just because I was constantly uh, drawing and and creating and doing costumes and uh, people were enjoying it. Um, I was the costume designer on campus. Um, I did the, the traveling dance company. So I had tutus all over my <laughs> dorm room. You know, I had a really cool roommate, a few of them that were okay with it. And, you know, maybe they saw this creative process and they were intrigued by it because no one complained that I turned our kitchen table into a cutting table. <laughs> and it became something that I was doing all the time and people liked it. And I really loved it. I was also doing other things. I was acting and I, you know, had a directing class where I had to direct. So I directed and I did the costumes. And so, you know, immersing myself into this storytelling world uh, was, you know, exciting and, and beautiful to me. And I just wanted to do it over and over and over again. Yeah. I think that's what sucks us all into it, yeah, right? It's yeah. We do it because we can't not do it. Exactly. It sounds like. Yeah. Yes. So if you're on a plane flying, someone's sitting next to you, and they're like, what do you do for a living? And you would say, I am. What, what would you say that you are at this season? I usually um, think that people, uh, when they hear that I'm a costume designer, they go, oh, my daughter's into fashion. She goes to fashion school. <laughs> you know, or they say, do you sew? Do you like to sew? <laughs> or, or they say, how did you get into that? Like they have a person in mind. They want to tell that story too. So <laughs> um, I'm a little bit shy about um, talking about what I do. Um, so I sometimes say that, you know, I'm a designer. And I kind of sit, leave it there, and they go, oh, and they don't quite know where to go from there. Then, mm -hmm. then if I'm super friendly, I say, oh yeah, I'm a costume designer for 
for film. Sure. And uh, that opens up the floodgates. <laughs> so I try to abbreviate as much as I can because uh, yeah. it's such a mystery costume design. It's still, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, my talk about story and about what I do being a storyteller enlightens people to the world of costume design that, you know, fashion and costume are really different. Uh, they do intersect, but we have a different goal in mind. Mm -hmm. Well, what is that intersection? Because one would say that costume design in filmmaking or in theater is very obviously a part of the story. The story is not really what it is as that final product without the story that those costumes are telling. Mm -hmm. And then others, I'm sure listening, could make a case for, yeah, but the fashion that I embrace personally also tells a story about who I am. You know, like you're telling me a non-verbally telling me a story about who you are just by your presence here and the gorgeousness of even what you're wearing at this table that we're talking into microphones at. So maybe speak to some of that tension a little bit. What is the difference between the two? Well, I'm being me. I'm not mm. being a character. So if uh, usually with costume design, someone else would play me and they, uh, a costume designer would mm -hmm. have to research my life and say, well, she's wearing this for that occasion, but when she's at home, oh, brother, it's something else. So we have to create this story of her life and show that it's not always just one thing. Um, fashion tends to take a muse and they sort of present this uh, image that's a little bit one-dimensional. Because, you know, uh, a costume designer will take a beautiful dress and age it. Make it sweaty or take a suit and rumple it and give it a story. Um, so that's how we intersect. You know, we do have to buy clothing. And sometimes, you know, what we do um, doesn't afford us to build everything from scratch. And it doesn't require it. Um, if you're a, a character that shops at your local H&M or Walmart, that's where the costume de designer goes to build her toolbox hmm. for your character. But it doesn't stop there. She has to then um, make it live, make it have its story, give it its texture, give it its, give it life. You've obviously had an incredible body of work doing all those things successfully. Yeah. Um, I mean, Black Panther is the most obvious, I think just because of the nature of, everyone's always talking about your most recent project, of right? Of course, yeah. Um, and that film played such an important role in our culture. Um, and, I'm, and now everyone's talking about how badly this generation of kids of color needed Black Panther. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not a new conversation for you. I mean, between Selma and Malcolm X, your, your entire body of work often has to do with stories about black history. Sure. Is that, I mean, obviously as a person of color, it makes mm -hmm. sense why you would be gravitated towards telling those stories, but mm -hmm. I feel like it's deeper than that for you, right? Yeah, Maybe speak is. to that a little it bit. It has a little bit to do with the um, Afrofuture um, concept that, you know, we've always been uh, concerned about, even in the early days of uh, Spike Lee. And uh, I remember on our first film, School Days, Spike wanted uh, Lawrence Fishburne to wear a Soweto t-shirt. We created uh, gear that said uplift the race. Um, you know, there was kente, a cloth brought into the costume design. Um, we, you know, really had a consciousness about, you know, uh, the multidimensional black community um, that included culture and 
forward thinking about, you know, a brighter tomorrow or positivity and not just the stereotypes that uh, tended to uh, plague Hollywood. We wanted to present, you know, beautiful images of, you know, mothers and home and community and, 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 and family. So um, that's been a part of my upbringing, I would say, in filmmaking, um, going from there to uh, Do the Right Thing, Selma, Malcolm X, Amistad. You know, I carried that with me, whether I was working with Spike Lee um, or the incredible Ava DuVernay, uh, John Singleton. I always wanted to dig a little bit deeper into the story of the community. Um, you know, I have a love for the community. It's my community, and therefore, um, I'm you know always a um, a student of uh, how can I show this in its true light. That true light looks a little different when you're adapting a story like Black Panther. But if you watch the movie closely, you can see hints of the deeper story Ruth is telling through her costumes. The way Wakanda's different tribes each have unique styles of dress, the blends of traditional African wear and futuristic tactical gear. These are things that someone who didn't have a deep love for the story being told could have easily missed. And I really think it's what sets Ruth apart. She's using clothing to say some very complicated things about the world we're seeing on screen. It sounds impossible. But then again, that's what we're all about here on the Story Podcast. I mean, the authenticity uh, and the integrity of what I do is super important to me. Mm-hmm. And therefore, showing communities in a real way is, is what I pride myself on. So Black Panther was no different. Uh, We had the opportunity to present a futuristic uh, world, to create a a fiction world that was based on the beauty of Africa um, and all of its tribes and all of its artistry. But again, been doing that too throughout all of the films. Um, I can look at Amistad and remember... um, bringing in um, African elements to the Africans who had um, who had taken over the ship. And I said, you know, they weren't savages. They took over the ship and look, here's a cargo list. On the cargo list, there were materials, there was leather. Uh, as they circled around the eastern seaboard, they probably wrapped their head. You know, some of them were Muslim, so they covered their they covered their bodies. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to create that sub story for them because I'm always asked, you know, what what do you think they look like after they took over the ship, or what do you think Wakandans look like? You know, I looked at the comics, and every time the comics were drawn, you know, it had a technology brought into all of these different cultures of Africa. And you can only go so far with the comics. So I, I thought this is an opportunity to really broaden the scope of this and go delve a lot deeper into this concept of tribal, of culture, and technology fused together. Being a part of so many projects, you've had an incredible opportunity to grow, even as an artist and as a designer. And 
you've worked with some incredible talent and directors. Maybe in closing, knowing that you have a microphone in front of you that's connected to thousands of storytellers who work in a variety of mediums, if you could take that whole body of work that you've done so far, all the projects you've gotten to work on, and pull out one thing that you've learned to pass along to all of them, what would you want them to know? That your costume designer is a part of your team. The costume designer does not want to be on their own island alone without you, but they don't want to be on an island uh, also. So if you collaborate and you um, exchange ideas, I think the best uh, result is afoot. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Story Podcast. To catch Ruth's full talk from her time on stage at Story this past year, just head over to storycraft.co. Her video is available in the 2018 bundle, and it is packed full of amazing behind-the-scenes insight into her creative process. It is amazing. It is no doubt a glimpse into how she tells stories through her craft, and the truths that she shares are universal to storytelling in every medium. Thanks again for joining us for another episode. I am Harris the Third, and until next time, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.